podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts. Low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine and More. Drink responsibly, be 21. Just came to What's happening? Welcome to Chessy Hour. Uh, myself, Yassi and James, again, after a, a little bit of an absence, buzzing to be back. I'm joined tonight by Joe Tweeds. What's going on, Joe? Yeah, good, mate. How's everyone doing? Yeah, good, good, good. Dance off. What's up, bro? What's not a lot, man? You good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. Cool, cool, cool. And Jermaine, Jermaine, good. Yo, yes, what's going on, brother? All good. Cool, let's kick off. Um, start up three downs um, and, and a lot of questions in between. So starting off, if we if we go back to this weekend just now, um, Brighton, so 2-0 win at home. Um, what Lampard called what he thought the most complete performance so far in his tenure and all my days a clean sheet. I never thought I didn't know for how long waiting for this. Um four two three one with Christensen and Tamori at the back, Jorginho and Barkley in a two. Um yeah, don't know don't know who thought that would be a great idea to give Jorginho extra protection there. But Joe, as someone who was at Stanford Bridge on the match day, uh, how much abuse did you give Jorginho from Stanford? Uh, never, never in the ground, mate. You should, you should know that about me. I'm, uh, I, I even back Cesc Fabregas, who's blocked me on Twitter. Um, I, I back him in the ground. So uh, yeah, no, I, I, thought, I thought he played okay. Yeah, I think he did okay. Um, couple of couple of scary moments for me when they count, but I'm, I'm kind of yeah. And yeah, but I think um, largely very, very good game. Particularly second half. Uh, I don't think I'm ever really going to get used to that penalty technique. I didn't really with Hazard the whole no look thing, but the the hop skip jump. He's a little bit of a uh, heart and mouth moment, but he's—I think he's like fourteen or fifteen out of sixteen. Amazing, yeah. yeah. And it's so it's hard to do. I think I might have talked about this in the podcast before. It's so hard to do. I just—I spent about half an hour trying it with someone, and the keeper cannot because they don't have a reference point of a planted foot. They have to go. They have to decide, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unreal. What did you owe to the to the improved sort of complete performance, the balance? What 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 are we looking at now? Looking at having more control of these games. Uh, I think to me that there's an element of fluidity now about the team. Um, I think that the the kind of the way that Lampard is is trying to play, and, and maybe this is a little bit more down to his coaches as well. But 
I feel that we we have a bit more of an understanding of, of what's going on. Um, you know, I, I looked at some stats after the game, and, and we're one of the most creative teams in the league. And I think that that has massively changed from from last season and from definitely under Conte as well. You know, we're creating an awful lot of uh, awful lot of chances, and I, th- I think a lot of that's down to, to maybe how we're being coached. Little less on this sort of shadow play, positional play stuff on on the training round. A little bit more freedom given to players, and and Jorginho in particular for me is someone who looks like he's had he's had some sort of instructional kind of you know kind of weight taken off his shoulders. He seems to be a lot more relying on, on his intelligence. I think yeah, very similar to Fabregas. They're both very very intelligent footballers. They understand space, understand where to play the ball, how to play it. But if you're being told to, to play neat and tidy and play short all the time, then obviously that that that's going to be reflected in how you perform. So. I'm starting to see him take a bit more initiative in, in how he plays. Um, I think, again, that, that obviously benefits the, the whole side. But I think generally, you know, the, 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 the team seems to be a little bit more fluid. Um, things are, the ball's moving quickly back to front. Um, I think the, the four at the back suits us better than the three at the back that we saw against Lille, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But generally, I think the, the four at the back formation, uh, um, a bit more pace at the back, a bit more technique as well with, with Tomori particularly there. Um, but I think we're, we're starting to see a bit of an established pattern of playing it, and it does look kind of bright for the for the future. Absolutely, and this is this is out to everyone. I mean, Joe's referred there to the different type of training, the style of training we might be expecting. I think that's something we'll definitely touch on in a bit. But how much of this this new fluidity and this and this creativity can we owe just to having young players who are hungry to impress and hungry to develop, like Tamori, like Abraham, like Mount? Um, how much do we owe just to I don't want to call it naivety, but just the dynamism they bring and the excitement they bring to be part of a team. Do you mean you I, I think I think we, yeah, yeah. I think I think we owe a lot to them. To be honest, I think um, them being young and hungry, like you said, I think it counts. It counts for a lot in terms of them coming in and uh, they're trying to take initiative as well when they're on the ball. They're trying to make things happen like constantly throughout the game. And um, yeah, I think they just want to be noticed as well, and they're and they're trying their best to do that. And, you know, players like Tamori, who are like, they've come in and they've just taken it by the scruff of the neck in terms of like making that spot his own so far. And that's just like one example of it. I think Mason Mount's done well. Some of his work goes unnoticed as well. You mm-hmm. don't have to always assist or score for, um, for it to be effective on the pitch. And I think... Uh, Absolutely. And, and on yeah. Tamori, he seems to be becoming just de facto first choice centre-back in a lot of people's 11s which yeah, is yeah. two months ago people arguing about where might be the best loan for him out of right. Burnley or Everton or abroad it's, um, it's an amazing ride and I, I think he's one if I'm honest that surprised even Lampard himself Lampard mentioned being surprised by Mason Mount's level and how he stepped up but they were exploring loan options, so clearly they weren't expecting him to be maybe as good as he is. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. I think what, one of the reasons why the whole Louise thing happens is because I feel like don't forget he they kept Tamori around, and I feel like he <clears> wanted to keep Tamori around. And I think it's funny you're saying that in terms of I actually put out an account after preseason as Tamori. It was after Louise was sold as well. I put Tamori, uh, back for a lineup with Tamori then, and I've got a number of people coming back saying be serious. It's going to be Rudiger. I, like, obviously, this was my um, 11 after everyone was fit. But even in preseason, he kind of showed what he's about. And I like the fact that it seems like every other two weeks, another one of the young players becomes our best young player. So at the beginning of the season, everyone was saying it was Mount. And oh, well, to be fair, at the back end of last season, everyone was saying it's Hudson. And then we had Mount. And now people are seeing Tamori. So yeah. That explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all looking good. 
Brilliant. Cool. And even with Tamori, uh, I'm, I'm referencing it a bit, but one-on-one defending has always been his bag, how he shackled Salah the other week, more excellent play this weekend just gone. But his range of passing is... Yeah, man. How much it's come on this year or over the last two years, but we'll, we'll, we'll mention it a lot more with Leo where we're bagging assists, but he seems to be the most proactive defender charging up the pitch and, and making things happen. Maybe not with the technical quality but again going back to that dynamism he seems like someone we can turn to in the absence of a David Luiz who's just going to take the ball drive yeah, add yeah. that bit of pace to the team and just try and make something incisive happen his replace- yeah, I was going to say his, his ability to, to drive with the ball and dribble he, he's so comfortable on the ball as yeah. well when he's dribbling with it and he's even like his little changes of direction sometimes you think he's going to pass left and he just quickly turns and he, he catches a lot of like players off guard with that and I think like his ability to like drive into that midfield and, and go even further on into like the final third as well, which he's done a couple of times already, it makes up for like maybe that 70 yarder that, that Louise normally does from so deep. So, um, yeah, but it's, yeah, man. it's crazy because obviously losing David Louise, I didn't think we'll be able to replace the element that he brought to our defence, but we've done that kind of in Tomori. Obviously, Tomori is his own player, <laughs> but he's got that calm composure about him. Um, he can bring it forward, like you referenced, the, the, the different passes that he can bring, like it, the, the pass that he did for Tammy, for Lil. Like, yeah, he's, I think he's a wonder kid, bro. Like, he's literally, obviously a lot of people are talking about height, and I know we concede from set pieces, and he's not the tallest. I don't know how tall he is, I don't know if you guys know, but he looks short. But, um, but yeah, he, he's sick, man. And where, I know this is something we discussed sort of privately a little bit, and people banded opinions about, where do you rank him in terms of England? Squad contention, basically. I mean, Max um, Gomez has been in there. Trent Alexander-Arnold is seen as the epitome, obviously not a centre-back, but of the level of what a 19, 20-year-old English defender should be doing in terms of contributing to a top team. Um, Where does he stand in in that pecking order? Obviously, you've got people like Keane who kind of seem to have their place in the squad just because they're there and in them. The fact that he's come in and, like, already zoom on Christensen... He's become number one choice. In Lampard's own words, he's either number one or number two. So he's already displacing people with a lot more experience. So that tells me that really and truly, obviously Southgate's brought him in. For some reason, there's a Chelsea bias with the England lot too. Southgate's brought him in. I feel like he could do that. I don't know. It seems like there is that bias there. But apart from that, he is one of the top performing players in our team. And obviously, we're not doing too bad. So I I think you have to look at the games. Sorry, Joe. Go on, go on, Joe. No, I was just going to say, I mean, if, if you're picking on form, you know, I think he's he's probably one of the best performing centre-backs in the league at the moment. So if Southgate, and I think you're getting the, the Chelsea flavour from maybe someone like Steve Holland, who's yeah. you know, obviously got a, a lot of background here, then for me, I think if you're picking on form, that he, he absolutely deserves his place in the squad. And it really wouldn't surprise me, even if it's just to to get him capped so he, he can't switch to, to Nigeria or to Canada later. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he selected and, and placed. Yeah, but you... Yeah, I'd- I was going to echo what Joe said in terms of like the the, the quality of um, the opponents that he's faced since coming in as well. And I think people have to look at that because the, the games that he's played, they haven't been easy games. Like he's played, against, game, yeah. he's, he's played against Liverpool, he played against Lille um, yesterday, he, he's played against Wolves. Like these are these are good teams that he's playing against. He's not playing against like no lower end sides, you know what I mean? And he's, and he's defending well. He's looking very, and very confident. I'm not trying to get into too many what-ifs, but you look at how Zuma has really, really struggled this year, to be fair. And you just think, if we'd known a bit earlier how well-adapted Tomori might be to the pace of the league, had he started at Old Trafford, it might have been a very different start to the season. And 
and started on, on the right foot. Um, so mm. absolutely, I think as well, when you mentioned that Chelsea bias within the England squad, just it's just a it's just a testament what the academy are doing. If you look down the age groups over the last sort of three four years, Chelsea players are populating every age group. I think that I think we may be top or second in terms of um, England players from under fifteen up to up to yeah. under twenty one over and the that, last three that four used years. To mean shit. What do we put that down to? Why why are our players so able to adapt to to international football to higher levels of play? Is it just recruitment and the rest does itself or is it something else? I think you've got to give a lot of the success to, to Neil Bath. You know, for the past 10 years or so, he has created something at Chelsea. And it's interesting because the academy is a fairly kind of insular thing at Chelsea in that it's, it's kind of left to its own devices. So it doesn't necessarily get, uh, I don't use the word infected, but maybe that's, that's the right word here with some of the kind of nonsense that we see in terms of recruitment and some of the politics around the first team. So it's kind of left to its own devices. And I think Neil Barth has shown, particularly if you look at not just the players, but you look at the coaches that he's developed, you know, Brendan Rodgers, Steve Clark, um, Neil Clement, you know, th- th- there are tons of people who've gone into the professional stuff. And then you actually look at, you know, Joe Lee, Joe Edwards, you know, you look at the guys now, James Simmons, Ed Brand, Andy Myers. There's, there's a kind of a, a conveyor belt, both in coaching and, and in players. I think that they, when when they came up with the concept, you know, they on globe to sort of figure out what was the best model to, to find, and they, they actually ended up looking at a ballet school in in Surrey, which is crazy to see, you know, how to combine the the academic side of work with with the sort of sporting side, and whatever they've done. I mean, yes, you can look at recruitment, and I, th- I think we recruit particularly well. But a lot of these kids are coming from from West London; they're coming from from that area near Cobham. So it's it's not like we're we're sort of going into the, the depths of, of Scandinavia or Germany or Spain or wherever and, and starting to pick up lots of kids now. If you see generally see a kid coming in from overseas, they're generally, you know, it tends to be because maybe we don't have a striker, maybe we need a midfielder or a goalie. It's to kind of fill in now. So, you know, it, it really is for me, I think Bath, you know, he was one of the guys I, I would have said potentially could have been a, a director of football somewhere because what he has created or helped create and shape both in terms of the recruitment kind of development plan they have the actual um, player pathways and the coaching sort of development is is, is world class and it's, it's no kind of uh, real surprise to me that you know you look you start looking down some of the younger age groups so like under 10s to 14s every other week if you follow the, the academy you see that they've won another international tournament they've just beat Real Madrid they've just beat Ajax just beat Barcelona it's it's something that I think that is is bred into them from a young age yeah it's, it's all about fun and learning and stuff but at Chelsea you, the expectancy is to win I think now that you've seen these guys start graduating into the first team, you know, I, I want experienced players around them, but they do have a little bit of a different mentality from most younger players because they're used to winning. You know, Callum's won a World Cup. I think Tamori's won a World Cup. They've won European Championships for England, you know, so they've got a little bit of a different mentality. They win the FA Youth Cup virtually every year. They win the Premier League in the age group. So, you know, they're, not only are they creating good players, but they're creating winners as well and leaders as well. So, you know, a lot of the credit has to go to Neil Bath for me. Also, they were around when we won the league yeah, as well, absolutely. right? I think Tammy, yeah. yeah, they were actually when we won the league with Conte, they, them guys were around the squad as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Good to hear. So, long term solution. Now, I'm interested. Really good back to full fitness. Christensen fully fit. Does Tamori stay as that first choice, or is it Bruger coming in for some solidity next to him, or does the Christensen partnership work? Where does Lampard go from here? He's got a little bit of a problem on his hands, but Tamori seems to be the least of them. Well, he said that he thinks right now Tomori is his number one or number two. But interestingly also, I think Zuma started every single game that he's been fit for. 
So I don't know. Obviously, when Rudiger comes back, there's a question over that. But he's he's intimated that Tomori's performing as number one and number two. I kind of feel like in Lampard's head, it's Rudiger and Zuma, just based off of the fact that Zuma's played every single game. But then, yeah, if Tomori keeps on playing like this, then maybe it's Rudiger and Tomori. And I think in most people's minds right now, those that's like that's our first two. I don't know what you guys are thinking. I, I would say um, I'm probably going to go with more more Christensen and Tomori. Right. I think they look really comfortable together. I think they're really really comfortable on the ball. Um, I don't like I don't really panic or anything like that when when the ball's going into them. So like. In terms of that, I think I think a partnership's important as well at the back. And if it isn't going to be Rudiger and Christensen who have history of playing together, then I'd probably go with with uh, Christensen and Christen- Tomori. Christensen and Tomori, to they've only played a couple of games together, bro. You're talking about they haven't got no, 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 a massive no, no, history. No, I know, but in terms of developing one, I think that will be a better partnership to go along with. I don't think um, like Rudiger, as good as he is, he still had like I've seen him have yeah. mad, mad moments. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And, <laughs> and there's a thing. I'm, I'm not really on. It's true. I'm not really a fan of Rudiger like that. And, and there's so. a thing where I feel like because Rudiger's injured, a lot of people kind of have forgot that yeah, he does make the mistakes. Like if he was playing, there'd have been a yeah, couple exactly. of yeah, he would have made a couple of howlers, and that would have like and led people to believe I actually let him sit on the bench. Exactly, and automatically people people straight away they went oh Louise went and left, and then straight away they went to like the next most experienced yeah, centre back yeah, that we had yeah, yeah. as well. And I felt like that a lot of people did that. So they just thought, oh, Luis has gone now. So our most experienced centre-back now is Rudiger. Oh, he's our best centre-back. Yeah, but yeah. they don't work like that. That's like, why he pe- was still making mistakes. That's why people so, weren't thinking of Tomori, just because of that age thing. Like, just because of what we're used to. So we're used to seeing Rudiger. Obviously, he's most experienced. But when it comes down to it, I remember <laughs> the Man City game. When, do you remember when he was falling over? Like, backwards? And yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he's he just comes out that spit. And he doesn't even make... like The, the challenge that he makes doesn't even make sense. Like, 100. he just literally... He stands there. Someone just passes it straight past him. It's like some of his some of his move, movements last year were just mad for me. I just didn't understand it. Him and Louis like, we might be expecting with, with Lampard a little bit though is like he's very uh, clear. I think in his selections, very confident in them. And I think if you look at the thread of Tammy, very very early on, even with Giroud's experience, pressure from fans to rotate and see what's happening, and a bit of an early drought, a lot of what he picked on, I think there was character and willingness to work. If you look at Jorginho, what he talks about constantly is his character around the squad and on the pitch and his leadership abilities. If I, just from the outside looking in, Rudiger seems the most natural leader out of those centre-backs. So I'm just interested if that kind of Lampard policy um, carries on there a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. No, it really right. interesting to see in terms of what his priorities are. You're, you're right. R- Rudiger's a lot more vocal than Christensen, for instance. And so that leader, like, you're right. That's why I feel like it will be Rudiger and Tamori. Well, well move, moving on to Lille. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's all fun and, fun, fun and games when we smack up a Grimsby 7-1. And, OK, you might be able to say academy players come into the Premier League and face the, the Brightons and this, that and the other. Champions League is really where it is a bit of a step up. And I think we saw that against Valencia with, with a bit of a, a, a shock loss there. And I think... It was a bit of a humbling, a bit of a realisation, OK, this is a different style of football, a different approach may need to be taken here, both for coach and players, especially the young ones. So, <laughs> gone is the dynamism of Brighton at the, at the weekend and, and it, we turn out a performance which is, is anything. But, um, so, reverting to... The 3-4-3. A lot of you had a, issues with it. 
few, few, few noticeable problems, which isn't isolated to this game. Um, so, what what is the main problem? I I want to go first on this one because I think that I spoke about <laughs> it before. Well, yeah, I want to get it off my chest, but nah. Um, I spoke about it before. I feel like Lampard. A lot of people under Sarri was like everything's the same. It's always four three three. But I feel like you can also go to the other extreme and be too reactionary. So like, I feel like yeah, he was thinking he must have done his analysis on the team saying oh they got fast forwards. Let's play three at the back. Let's play Tomori and and Rudiger and whoever. No, sorry, and Zuma and whoever was fast at the back. But really and truly, we like. If we start, you can you can have that plan there, but you can start as your normal game. And then if things need to change, you've got that in your back pocket. Because when it came down to it, we couldn't. We were passing the ball around at the back in a in a semi circle, basically, and it just going around. It was, it was done. We couldn't pe- play into our midfield. Our squad, the way it shaped up, is good because we've got a lot of midfielders. Our midfield was dead. Um, our wing backs, Reese James, I love him, but at the same time, he's not someone that is always going to be taking people on. Alonso, again, he doesn't do that type of shit. So I think, yeah, we had 62% possession, but I was all just passing it back and forward in the semicircle. Just a quick one, Joe. Uh, it was very stale and, and it was a bit of a struggle to to break break through and really get out of, out of our sort of back five, back six. Um you mentioned the sort of automatisms and circuit training as opposed to what's happening now we, we gather, which is a lot of high-intensity, small-sided games, engaging some fun and everything like that. Is this the sort of game where that looks like it might unravel a little bit, where if they are stuck for ideas, maybe 20, 30 minutes in, roles aren't as crystal clear, they can... I mean, I know we won, but it was a bit of a smash and grab in the end. Is this where the problems might arise where without sort of a go-to pattern play, not as extreme as a Conte, but it can start to just go round and round looking for the same answers? Yeah, I mean, definitely in that case. And I think also playing to something that Dan said, you know, the the way that you generally establish a rhythm in the side is, is, is maybe not playing the, the exact same way every week. But if you're playing in a similar shape, then that uh, some of those like um, automatic patterns of play they may not be completely set in stone, but you've got a better feel for kind of where your teammates are around you. I think particularly there was a clip during the rounds from the, I think it's Inter Barcelona game where they, they were playing out for the, it was crazy to see how, how automated that was, but it was so effective, you know, because they, I think they played it three times in a row penalty area, drew players in, and then you could see the pattern play emerging almost as if Conte was sort of coaching on the pitch, you know, on the post. So, I think that well, I mean, the we score about ten times every two games. Yeah, and you know, I think that they're particularly if you have—I don't want to say players are unfamiliar about playing in a back three, but the fact that the the midfield seemed quite disconnected from the rest of the team, and it felt a little bit to me like that was almost by design, which I'm not entirely sure is something that I would I would tend to go. I, I do agree with Dan. I think the midfield area in particular is one of our strengths. So, you know, expecting Reese James almost to be the kind of direct link into your, your winger and your forward rather than, you know, utilising someone like Jorginho or Kante or whoever's going to be in the middle. Feels a little bit like, uh, yeah, like a little bit of a, a weird way of setting the team up. But, I mean, I, I definitely think that there is, there, I mean, there, obviously there are there are time and places for, for patterns of play. I think if you can if you can rely on stuff that you've been taught, like muscle memory-wise and, and sort of, you know, stuff that you you can react to and not really have to think too much. And it definitely kind of helped 
if you progress up from the back. Um, I think the concern from that approach is just that we seem to we seem to take that kind of robotic approach into the final third at times. And I, I often feel if you've got good players and, and players who are intelligent, they don't necessarily need to be instructed on where they should be standing. You know, in the final third, they can kind of figure things out for themselves. But you know, when you when you're maybe sort of playing out from the back and you've got a team who presses pretty well and and is good at applying pressure than having those set patterns of play and where to be um, definitely can help you problem solve and, and obviously the, the more things you've got in your toolkit to solve problems the better um, but yeah I mean it, it was a bit of a disjointed game I think the, the only real positive that I would take from well not really the only positive but I think that, that in, particularly in the second half the last sort of 20-30 minutes was the first time that I saw maybe a bit of uh, maturity coming to some of the young players like we, we, we were able to see a game out you know a game I'm not going to say it was necessarily 50-50 but I mean it was a tricky game um, and I think actually us being able to to not have to create 7,000 chances and, and not have to be you know completely brilliant to win a game, that for me is always a good step and always a positive sign on a team that they can win when they've you know they've done enough to score some goals, but they've they've been able to see see the game out. So you know, as, as a positive step, I think for the mentality of some of the younger players and the mentality of the squad to not have to create so many chances. I don't know if it was Jorginho who said it, uh, or it might have been uh, William or Pedro. It was William. Said it after one of the games this season. William, yeah, that we know we've, we've got to create you know nine, ten chances to win games. And the fact that we, we, we maybe weren't as as fluid, um, but we could rely a bit on, on actually seeing a game out and being professional and you know do, being a little less uh, kind of you know aggressive and dynamic. I think that bodes well in the future because you know in, in particularly in Premier League and Europe, you've got to be able to mix it up. You're not always going to be able to take chances and be on the front foot. And on William, um, is this is this the Renaissance? So we don't be fooled. It's all going to be the guy we thought he was going to turn into, like, what? It's the number 10 show. It's zero out of 10s and then key goals again nah. and again. All We're not fooled. Can't. We're not fooled. But what's interesting is, like, both of the times he scored the goals, I think we're talking about the goals. To be fair, he's been playing good anyway, but it's the chosen one. It's, it's Hudson. Hudson's come on. And he somehow managed... Don't forget, Hudson bust Morata twice as well. So, like, underperforming players, um, for some reason, he he's, like, the chosen one for them. Like, he can come on and score. But to be fair, William, <laughs> William's doing well, man. Um, and I feel like um, on performances, it's going to be interesting because we all know that Lampard favours Mount. But Hudson's come on twice and affected the game in, like, his short kind of cameos. And one thing yeah. I liked about that little game is... After the after the mess of the three four three, when Hudson came on, we ch- changed back to a four three three. I think, um, and so it's going to be interesting. Williams playing good, Hudson's playing good. Coach as well as players there. I think he's, he's still finding out in terms of who is best where, who's most effective where. Don't forget, Hudson is is feeling his way back in. Yeah. Um, Reece James. I know I'm not the only one who thinks that being that high up the pitch isn't what he's going to be long term. Why, firstly, and how does this situation resolve itself again with club captain and nicest guy in the world standing there in his way in a 4 2 3 1 or a 4 3 3, who again look way more comfortable in that back three, by the way? Yeah, like, he just... I, th- I, th- I think the fact that um, he wanted to just get Reese James on the pitch played a big factor as well. I think Lampard dying to play Reese James, to be honest with you, but he just yes, chose. Yeah, he, he, chose, he chose this game because he obviously knows that Reese has got the quality. Um, and he knows as well that, like you said, Aspen Aquera is, is still good in a back three. So he, he took the opportunity to play him in this game. I, mean, I, didn't, I, I, I thought in the game as well, like it looked like for, for a bit we were just going to be happy with like a point away from home. Because that, that, that 
was what it was looking like for large parts of the game. But I think as well, like personnel being on that left as well, just killing us, man, so much. But Reece James, yeah, I mean, Alonso, is there a worse player for any team in the top six that I'm not aware of? there isn't. Fascinating. Some some really kind of prominent Chelsea blogger slash YouTuber put some stats up defensively about Alonso and. If you hadn't watched the game, you thought you were probably watching like peak Paolo Maldini. But, you know, like he, apparently his stats were, were really, really solid. But actually watching the game back, I mean, I, I'm with you. The amount of times he put Tamori in the ship, yeah. of a really, really shit pass or like an unnecessary pass to put him under pressure was was insane. And again, you're expecting your your kind of seasoned professionals, your, your kind of top, you know, kind of top experienced players to not drop younger players in it. And I think I must have counted maybe three, four, maybe five times during the game where, you know, he, he had an option to play, just clear the ball, clear your lines or be safe. And I think sometimes, you know, he's just not aware of what's going on around him because his, his selection of passes, okay, he may have got like a tick in the completion, you know, kind of category, but it was such a bad decision to make. And, and that's why, that's what baffles me with him. It's just, just his his inability to really kind of see the game at all. You know, and it's so concerning if, if he is going to be playing large chunks of, of, of games this season if it's not Matson, if it's not Emerson you know you've got a guy who he's quite happy just to play hospital passes and that really really concerns me I mean, you've, just, you've just inspired me to look at the stats I didn't I haven't gone to see what this prominent blogger put up or whoever he is but Ariel Jules won 9 out of 9 fantastic but he is also the tallest left back I think I've ever seen ground mm-hmm. jewels 4 out of 6 fair play long balls 4 none of them accurate half his crosses were wayward lost possession of the ball 24 times and that's, that's the biggest problem with him though as well like he, even when we tried to start an attack here yeah, he would he would just kill it straight away like not even trying something I'd rather him try something and get tackled than just continuously just turn back and pass the ball back, Going back to the circuits, then, I just think he's a player who like he really benefited from having right do these three things and do them well and you'll yeah. look well and then since Conte's that first Conte season he's just never really looked effective in anything and it kills the other players as well do you see what I'm saying like with Mount yeah. as, as, a, as a player when you've got somebody like Alonso that continuously does the wrong thing or, or chooses the wrong option it kills you as a player as well in terms of your movement and what you do so you start to change like what you're doing so if Mount keeps going out to the left to, to receive the ball or something like that I think and yeah just as well in terms of the yeah that, that's that point you've made about attacking players the synergy between like an Emerson and uh, hudson Adoy. I'm expecting to be 10 times what it is, yeah. It is. In, in, just because Emerson will go and be daring and drive and have a bit of trickery and a bit of pace and can whip it and can combine. Whereas Alonso is just deep crosses, little flick-ons, and it's just very, he, very limited. Even Reese James had had chances as well. Like as he didn't play great, but um, Reese James, when he got into certain positions, you saw the quality that he had on the ball to, yeah. to try and some get some crosses in early. He put some very good crosses in at times, but you know. Alonso just doesn't give you anything, nothing at all. Yeah, Reese James just has flashes where one of those balls, there was one skip right across the line of the six-yard box, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, it's come out of nowhere. No backlift, no touch into the yeah, yeah. <laughs> The quality he has from wide is unbelievable. I know we all have a kind of different um, way that we see Reese James. For me personally, I think if you can get a wide winger out there, like a William who likes to take the ball out there or... I don't want to say the American's name because I would like him to not really be mentioned on this podcast because he <laughs> has merited it with his minutes. But I just that like 
He's got the characteristics of a box-to-box player. He's got the characteristics of a midfielder and of a modern right-back. Just him trashing through the middle of the pitch from on the underlap from a deep, deep position, building up steam, I think will be something that I don't really see any other fullback have in their locker. Um, and I think it would be an amazing way to unlock him. But I don't know if that's shared. How do you guys see him long-term fitting into the side tactically? Yeah, on the same, James, to be honest, uh, that, the, the underlap thing for me is, is key because, I mean, you, you've seen that he has this, I can't really compare it to anyone, he has this crazy ability to just find angles of crosses and passes. And I know that the, the Grimsby goal is an obvious example where, mm. you know, if you look at it from behind, you think, okay, there's one place he can put it and then he sort of hits it like almost... 30, 40 degrees wider than you would expect anyone be able to. So when he comes inside, he's got the ability to A, like pick out insane crosses, but we know he's got a great shot on him. You know, he can actually sort of dribble past people in those areas. You know, he's actually pretty good centrally. So that sort of role for him. But then also as well, I mean, if you just want him to just whip crosses in, you know, have someone like maybe Mason Mount or someone maybe a bit more kind of playing as like a bit of an old school inside forward, just let Reese James just, just have that channel and just set him up for, for crosses because... You know, I mean, if you give him 10 crosses a game, I'd be surprised if six or seven of them weren't really, really top quality. So I think he's got everything for a modern fullback. And for me, it's just a question of time now of, of him getting adjusted after injury, but also getting adjusted to, to playing Premier League level and playing sort of Champions League level. Because, you know, just on his, his end, his sort of uh, final quality, his end delivery is, is so much better than what we've had out there for a number of years. And it's, it's just about how, how to get the best out of him. You know, you know what I like about Reese James? And it's really easy to forget how recent back in game time he is. Like, he, he just snapped back into it. He had, what, two under-23 appearances after how many months out? And he looks like he isn't missing a beat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But to be fair, like, it was really, like, just the summer, really. Like, because he got injured in the international tournament and then he came back just a little bit later. But what I like about Reese James, I was going to say, is, number one, Time frame, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was just going to say what I like about Reese James. Number one, when he brings the ball out of the air and he chests it, it's poetry in motion. But another thing, if you look, <laughs> at, his, if you look at his eyes, yeah, this guy is so serious. He, like, he looks, he's almost got like serial killer eyes. Like, like he's not messing about. Like, this is focused. Yeah, focused, it's not a game. Focused. Watch when you next, when you what, next watch uh, a game. What, look at his eyes. There's no life there. Like, he's just there to kill. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to be a player, yeah. man. So, yeah, he's a machine. He's a joke. He's a machine. He's got his serial killer eyes, his rugby <laughs> rugby shoulders. Yeah. I ain't trying to fuck with that guy ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on the other, other on the other end, we did come out with a win, which, thankfully, because I think a point out of your first two Champions League games is a really, really difficult place to start, even with all the optimism that we would be, be having with the young players. Brilliant goal from Tammy. Brilliant pass from Tomori. Again, our old friend, Mr. Seppies. Mr. Seppies. Like, at what point is it that we just have to stop giving them away? And at what point is it to look to the coaches for an alternative answer on how to defend them? Mm. <laughs> I think it's what's worrying about it is if the goal against the goal that we conceded yesterday against Lille. No player trying to take any kind of initiative in terms of like it's just normal to just like try and put a player off. Like I don't. I don't understand this whole thing of like just leaving them in space and letting them run into the ball. That that does not make any bump. If you played football, you will get slaughtered for doing something like that. Even if it's zonal or man, it doesn't matter which one it is. Zonal or man marking, you have to at least put someone off in the ball. You cannot just stand there and watch players just jump, get the run and jump on you. That is, I can't it's a weird one to me. I hold, I hold my hands up that I'm not a set piece specialist. Especially, right? 
But it looked like a really pure zone with kind of like a, a four just inside the six yard box. Mm-hmm. But then they had a but then they had a mix with two people being man marked on the far post. Why not man mark the man who's coming in into the gap of don't I don't know. <laughs> on the flip side, I think Zuma was really misread the header. Uh, mm. if you watch it again like you can't be as simple as find that gap and land there and it seems like it is that way again and again what is the solution it doesn't look like we have anybody that attacks the ball though like in terms of defensively so yeah, like, John Terry John Terry in the box when he, I know it's a, you're using one of the best defenders that like obviously ever played for us but um, he used to always attack the ball and I think Rudiger does that as well so it'll yeah. be, that's another, another thing another consideration of bringing him back into the side yeah so like the, he attacks the ball when when, set piece, when corners or crosses do come into the box and I think that's something that Mori doesn't have Christensen doesn't have um, Zuma is a good header of the ball but again I don't I have I've very rarely seen him attack balls coming into the box like that so how many just uh, just uh, how many people that, that start regularly for us do you think are, are really good in the air defensively just Zuma, just, just Zuma for me. Zuma and Rudiger. Uh, well, yeah, Zuma and Rudiger. Obviously, when Rudiger's fit as well. I think that that's part of the problem we've got. Is if you if you're marking if you're playing against teams that have got three four threats in the air, I, I don't think we have the numbers to mark them. Yeah. And that that that's all this this zonal stuff. It boils down to the fact that I think all they're trying to do is occupy space, and it's it's not a great way because as you say. You know, you look at look at teams you've had in the past. I mean, Drobo would mark that that front zone, but he'd attack it like he was attacking a, a header up the other end. JT Ivanovic, you know, we've had players in there, Balak, people that were just incredibly good at defending zones. But at, at the moment, I, I look at that team, and it, you know, I think Tammy's okay, but I think Giroud's Giroud's pretty good, but he's not starting much. So I look at the numbers we have, and I think if we play teams that have got four, five, maybe fairly good players on set pieces. I just don't think we've got the numbers or, or the aggression or height or, Joe, or the mentality to, to really defend it. Joe, like, Barcelona, Man City, I'm saying there's, there's loads of small teams. So, I don't know, I was racking my head. It's like, there, we, there must be something we can do. Because, like, I know City have <clears throat> Fernandinho and Rodri, but they don't have that many tall players. So, uh, not so, 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 why is it that we can't cope with it? Is it... Are we are we using the, the smallness as a scapegoat? I don't understand. I just I don't think that the answer is try to fit as many. Because remember last season, Sari said the reason why Alonso's playing over Emerson is because Alonso's taller. And to be fair, after the stats that you read about him winning aerial duels, maybe I understand it, but it's like I'd rather quality on the field. So I don't know. I don't think the answer is trying to get the taller players on. So I don't know. It might, it might be. It it's might be just switching what we do as well. Because if you look, if you look at the moment when we when we mark zoning, one of the most important zones, the one that that Yas is talking about, is I've seen you know during not so much against Lille, but a lot of games this season, it's been Aspilicueta in there, and he is he's all of five foot eleven. I mean, at least put Tomori, at least put Zuma in there. I mean, I know that 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 changed a bit for the Lille game, but I, I just don't think necessarily that we've that we're making the most of of the people that we have. And I, I do think it's a little bit down to the coaching setup. You know, that, that it doesn't seem to be. That uh, that targeted because I mean if you take away the goals you've conceded from from free kicks and set pieces this season we're probably laughing in terms of in terms of the league I mean you look at the, the Liverpool game there was there's other games where we've 
conceded really silly goals. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like a huge thing to, to figure out. Just I mean, even like a ten percent improvement would be massive. But yeah. just feel a little bit maybe maybe size is, is oversimplifying a little bit. But maybe like putting the the smaller guys in less important areas for me would, would be like slightly more beneficial. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, like the good thing about Lampard so far is his reactionary. So I feel like Lampard's the type of manager that looks back, sees okay. We're conceding from set pieces and trying to feel like he tries to figure out what to do with it. And like yeah. you said, set pieces is something we can figure out at least. Um, yeah. So yeah, but then but then it, it it does beg to kind of question. I know we've got Tammy Zoom is quite good at attacking the ball. Um, I don't. You wouldn't. Jorginho's quite tall. Well, he's not short anyway. But again, you wouldn't really put him on someone that's like a good header of the ball. So I don't. In terms of options that we have, maybe when RLC comes back, that's why he will be important actually. Because he's got height, but yeah, yeah, like, we're conceding bare. I think you've got to change it to man marking. If I'm being honest with you, like if you if you ain't got if you ain't got tall players, and you're going to not use it as an excuse, but you you're, you know that that's going to be your weakness in terms of set pieces. At least when you're man marking, you can put players off. Yeah, that's what do, do you remember? You can put players off. But do you remember that so, that picture of uh, Kente man marking Van Dijk? Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. maybe like, someone bigger on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely. But that's clearly a mismatch. You know what I mean? Like, like with with Tammy and like you said, even people like when Losters comes and all of that kind of stuff. Majority of the time, you'll have probably two or three great headers in a, in another minute. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they have got tall players that are, that are good at headering the ball, you're not going to have like five or six in there. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we've got two or three tall players that can man mark those players do their job in the box, and then, you know, we carry on from there. Like, just man mark. The zonal thing's not going to work. I can tell you that for free. What? Definitely won't work. Well, let's see, let's, see what, let's see what our reaction is. So, just, we dominated Brighton. Really important win in the Champions League. Um, and then this sort of decent little run in the Premier League continues. So, looking ahead, we've got Southampton this, this coming Sunday. Yes, it's away. Um, but, and they've started looking a lot stronger. But, we have to surely just kick this kick this form on, keep it rolling before the Newcastle game, which you hope there are dumps the fire a few two weeks afterwards where we where we keep it going. How would you like to see the lineup against Southampton? Do we keep on going with um the same players or is this the sort of great opportunity for other people to get rotated in like Batshuayi and I the American? I don't want Pulisic to play because I like seeing the <laughs> meltdown on Twitter when he doesn't play. Um <laughs> I just I feel like that's my number one thing. I don't want him to play. I don't <laughs> want him to understand. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't even I don't have anything against the American if that's what we're going to be calling him. But um, I don't like the fans. I called him Pulisic pansies on on the Twitter account. That was me. My bad. I've changed it now to Pulisic fanboys. But yeah, I think when it comes down to it, yeah, like like I don't understand how they're not being honest with themselves at least. If he's not playing well, he doesn't deserve to play. It's that simple. So, uh, in terms of the lineup, I kind of want to see Hudson and Williams. I want to see Hudson start a game um, rather than the rescue job type thing where he's going to have to come on and provide an assist. Um, why not play Tammy? I'll, I'll again, continue playing the performers. Um, Tammy's earning his spot, so continue playing Tammy. Um, in midfield. Do you know what? I like the fact that the last game we we, we went with um, Barkley and Mount because I want to see if we can last. Like when Loftus Cheek comes back, you know, I'm one of those people that says maybe let's play Loftus Cheek in the attack, but that's just because I'm worried about our defensiveness. 
So yeah, I'd like to see maybe an adventurous midfield just to see if we can if we can cope with it. And if we can, then good. Um, but if we can't, then obviously we're gonna have to go with the yeah. with the Kovacic, Kante, and um, Jorginho but as our default. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and my Bartley bias, but I think he did look quite lost in a deeper position. Oh, he was dreadful in Brighton against Brighton. Yeah, I've never seen a midfielder give the ball away so many times in really bad positions. He, he, like, he, he shouldn't play deep. He's not. He's not. Nah. Yeah, he's not smart enough. I, I wouldn't say smart enough, but no, I was. Too, he's too yeah, hesitant yeah. on the ball. He's, he's too hesitant. Dummy. He, he hesitates too down, much. You know, he's like dribbling like a little eight-year-old kid with his head down all the time. Allow it, just, man. You know, robbed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah. Who's, who's at the back though? Um, centre backs. Centre backs, definitely Tomori. Um, and then I think Zuma as well. No, do you know? What? I don't Zuma. mind. I don't. I don't mind. Tomori, Zuma, Christensen. I don't mind as long as Tomori starts. Um, obviously, it's going to have to be Alonso. I'd prefer Matson, and then I'd play. I'd play Reece James, but we know what's going to happen. We know Aspi's going to be playing. Do you know what I find so funny about these team selections? Is obviously up until this point we've been asking for young players who are maybe like nine, twenty to get a chance. <laughs> now that the twenty twenty one year olds are getting a chance, we want the we want seventeen year olds. <laughs> How young is it going to go? We're going to be looking for like the fifth McEachern brother, who's whatever <laughs> under eight, and wanting him to get a chance. Yeah. Uh, the Moody, the, the kid who's like 12, who's just got unbelievable techniques. Like, he's, he, I'm, I'm going to start an early shout for him. No, but the Matson thing, yeah, I think that, that just comes from Alonso just being unbearable right now. Like, that guy is. Bruv, do you know uh, what it is? Do you know what it is? I don't think I can watch another game. Do you know what it is? I remember, I think it was a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, it was a couple of seasons ago. We saw Tammy playing in preseason, and he was better than Murata, clearly. But just because Tammy has the kind of status as a young player, we went into that season with Murata, even though in preseason Tammy showed he was clearly better than Murata. And it's the same thing with Matson and Alonso. The only reason why Alonso is playing right now is because of his age profile and because of his mm. history in the squad. We saw in that match against uh, whoever, Grimsby, Matson was clearly much better, offensively, defensively, everything. But he's not going to play because it's just, it's just so dumb, but just because he's a senior player and he's, it's, it's dumb. I don't even want to talk yeah, about it. I wouldn't mind what Joe talked about. Um, I think I think it was Joe talked talked about it before in terms of putting Aspilicueta left back and yeah. Reece James right back because at least that way we're guaranteed to get a, a great delivery from, from the right hand side from Reece James and Good. we'll we'll be we'll definitely be solid defensively on the left if mm-hmm. Aspi can't get forward as much no problem because Alonso is not doing it anyway. Do you know what I mean? So it's like just some positives from that. A really you know interesting I mean? way to lessen the burden on Hudson Adoy there as well yeah. in terms mm. of Dolly Rich returning you don't want him to just acclimatise kilometres just for the sake of it in terms of tracking back yeah exactly and then he can just you know he can kind of just do his thing on that left hand side because yeah man he's, he's he looks like he's gonna be he looks like he's up for it, it every single time he's coming on he's just direct he's hungry you can tell he just wants to get a goal as well the guys man he's he's too explosive compared well, to his other winners we're making the most of it. Looks like we've actually got this academy feeding, and people just are returning to fitness by by the week. Um, moving on, just to finish, so we still got some listeners' questions to cover from from the Twitter. Um, first one, uh, I'm going to just all of these open floor jump in as you see fit. First one, Tammy's been great, but I worry he's been running to the ground, especially when we have two capable deputies. He's been very ill. It hasn't really been spoken about too much the details of that but he's been really unwell and Lampard has talked about Tammy struggling to 
last the ninety. So is that something now with the games coming thick and fast later in the in the year needs to be considered? I think I think um I think Tammy I like the fact that he's been getting a run because we, like I said at the beginning of the season, we need a regular striker. I don't think yes. he's yeah, I don't think his all round game is as good as people say. Yeah, he does work hard, but I feel like in terms of actually coming and playing with the rest of them, he does come and kind of like control the ball and then pass it off. But in terms of actually interplay, I don't think he does that as much. But um, yeah, I I think as w- when it comes to the point where we're playing like two games in the week, then we can switch strikers around. But I don't mind Tammy. He's young. He, he can play. He can play these games. Other other teams are playing their striker every single week. Why not play Tammy? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. I think while he's while he's hot on form and he's scoring, I think um, yeah, man, just let the kid play. He's young. He's ready. He's fit. There's no need to really bench him. To be honest with you, straight. Just going back to the, what we just touched on, Loftus Cheek will most likely be playing development football for fitness after the break. I didn't. I didn't know that personally, but okay. Um, where do you see him fitting into the team, considering Mount and Jorginho are in great form and Kante being Kante? I mean, he says world class, but we'll just use that as a synonym for Kante. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's an interesting one now, with like especially in the different shapes. So if we if we just go four two three one and four and three four three. Um, they're the ones that most interest me. Where do you see Loftus Cheek fitting into both of those? Three four three. He can't be part of the two. I don't think. I don't think he'd be part of the two. Depends who he plays with. If it's Jorginho, he definitely can't. If it's Kante, he's definitely got a chance. Uh, I don't know. No, that's man. a fair point. That's <laughs> not. That's not um, convinced on his defensive capabilities. No, it's not that. So he, he's improved it. But what I'm saying is. For 90 minutes, like he doesn't sprint back as much as a Kovacic will sprint back. And we saw in the game with a 3-4-3, what will happen is we will lose the ball centrally because we'll get un- yeah. outnumbered in midfield. Which means, yeah, yeah. that's why even I'd prefer Kante and Kovacic in in the 3-4-3. I wouldn't prefer Jorginho because when it comes down to it, because there's two in midfield, you saw in the last match, Jorginho doesn't come and get the ball off the defence anyway because they put a line in between the, the, the defensive three and the midfield. So... It, it just doesn't make sense to have Loftus there. I don't think in a 3 4 3. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think the only way he could play in two times um, out of the field when they were making that four times, Reese James kind of clipped it for, for Kante down that right hand side. But if, if anybody was going to be making that run, it would have to be Loftus in his own. But that's the only kind of risk you could take if you were playing the two in there. So, but I, but I, I agree. I don't think he, he could play that two, if I'm being honest. It was too risky. And who does he come in for in a four-two-three-one? Is it the same issue with the risk of the two, or no. or can he do it in the play, play further forward? Isn't it? So he play yeah. one of the three. To be fair, I don't mind him in a four-two-three-one. It depends on how we play it, but I don't mind if Mount is the number ten. No, in fact, not Mount actually, because Mount kind of really presses high. But basically, if the in the four-two-three-one, if the number ten comes back to help in midfield, then that's cool. Mm. Um. I, wide right. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't mind him as part of the pivot, as a deeper player. If if the oh, number ten, okay. if the number ten can come back and make that a free, um, because obviously you want Loftus to come forward with the ball, and if the if Loftus comes forward and we've got a number ten that doesn't kind of fill in for Loftus coming forward, then then it could be peak. But um, I heard I think Lampard talking about it, and Lampard said at the beginning of the season he sees Loftus as a number ten player. Also, but he also stated, I see him playing in the pivot too. 
So I already know where his head, so head is I at. Have a, I have a sneaky feeling this Barkley selection in the two was a little precursor of yeah, that's the further forward player. Jody's seen him through youth teams and, and Joe Edwards where he has been deeper. So I'm very interested in, in whether they think he can. I've, I think they earmarked him for that position um, at the beginning. Literally for that position. The way that he spoke about it as well, he said, yeah, I think he can play number 10. But you know when he gets to the rules, like, but actually... I like the fact that he can drive forward with the ball, so he says that, and I think he he's got that physique to play that as well. So I feel like in Lampard's head, mm. and maybe that's the reason why we, we went to the four two three one. I think he sees him playing there. Interesting stuff. Let's just anyway hope that when he does come back, he's fit and it's ready to contribute wherever it may be. Time here that much different to a youth academy goalkeeper would have performed eighty million wasted. And that was a question mark, so it wasn't a statement really ballsy like that. It wasn't like eighty million wasted, but. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he's got his mo- reflexes unbelievable. But apart from that, there's areas which you do think. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think if you're talking about set pieces, I, you know, I think part of the reason there's issues. Is I, I prefer him to be a little bit more commanding on crosses. Um, I think that is that is one of the things that I can say about him is that when the ball comes in. I don't see him like not like in like a sort of an eccentric way, but like actually sort of cl- coming up and sort of claiming the ball, which is is one of the things that I've liked about Petr Cech and and as well. Uh, was really really good at, at commanding his area, but he's a he's a bit of a different player. I mean, we saw I think he he made a ridiculous save yesterday, uh, really really low down to his right hand side. He's more of a, a kind of an athlete in goal. We, you know, I mean, he was doing kick ups in his own penalty area and volleying the ball out wide. I mean, he's he's a little bit of a, a little bit of a player, but. You know, I look at I look at an eighty million pound spend, and I I do kind of think you know, looking at the team, maybe that is is something that could be better spent elsewhere. But you know, he he's here now, so you've kind but of. But he's also Joe as well, and very much the context of that signing. Remember, yeah, I, like, it was, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, he was, he was the clause, yeah. But Joe, yeah. Joe, you... um, Allison race, which we were just always second best for, and then lost it, and yeah, so. It's a difficult one. It is. It's too much, like, especially for the contribution. But he's here, and I think, yeah, I don't know. De Gea took at least a year to acclimatise to certain aspects of the English game, and and I don't know. I think the height thing is an issue with certain shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it makes up for it in certain ways with with going forward. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy thinking that he's the best in the league or anything like that. Joe, you know about Jamie Cummins. Like, I don't know if you know. Have you seen him play? Do you feel like he's good enough? Uh, or anywhere near as good enough as Kepa to maybe challenge him? I mean, I, I, I don't <coughs> sound too biased because I, you know, I, obviously, I, I really like the academy players. But I've often felt if he was, let's say he came up in like a championship club. And I think I think he's probably good enough to be starting if he came through an academy there. It would it would be surprising to me if a Premier League team and a, a good Premier League team didn't come in and, and try and buy him to be their number one within the next sort of couple of years. Um, I think he is aggressive, where maybe Kepa is a little bit more reserved. I think he's a good shot stopper. He's pretty decent with his feet. I mean, he might not be as good as Kepa. I mean, the guy pings passes out to wingers and stuff like that. But you know, for for maybe more, if you're looking at the context of Lampard system, having someone who is better at claiming crosses. I think potentially as well. I think he's a little bit better on one and ones. Um, like the, the profile of the goalie for me, at least, you know, I've, I've seen him quite a bit. I think probably fits more with with what Lampard wants. But you know, you've we've kind of noticed it a bit with with some of the 
the kind of shouts for, for Pulisic to play. You know, he's he's an £80 million goalkeeper, so are you really going to get the chance? It's probably why uh, Marcin Bulka obviously went to, to PSG as well, was just, you know, you've got an £80 million player in front of you. Are you going to get the opportunity that maybe your talent deserves? Yeah. I, I, do, I think coming is, is a, a really good player. I mean, I, I was saying sort of early in the season, I wouldn't have mind having him as a as a number two. It feels, it feels silly to me to waste a, or, or the, the backup or third goalkeeper or whatever. It feels stupid to have a, a, a foreign player take up that, that spot in the squad for registration purposes but I'd, I'd be interested to see if you get some maybe some, some League Cup action but you know I think he's, he's a promising guy yeah, definitely who, who would you I'm, say I'm very conscious with Chelsea goalkeepers though don't even the club have a policy of sending academy goalkeepers out to non-league where they're actually uh, I think I think if I'm not confusing the two players I think he was on loan um, someone in non-league last season and I, oh. I know I know it was him or someone else potentially got, got really really good reviews from the club Um but I mean, I, I think from at least from, from talking to some some people over the summer, there was quite a bit of interest from from a few championship clubs to take him on loan. But that kind of uh, didn't really go anywhere, as far as I'm as, as I'm aware. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the, the kind of the, I think the thing is, is is to kind of immerse them in adult football and a bit maybe a bit more of a physical style of football as soon as possible. Because obviously, if you're growing up in Chelsea's academy as a goalkeeper, there are probably some games where I think I could have I could have gone in goal and just sat on a deck chair and not really done much. So. You know, it's kind of like a bit of a test for them to, to be dropped into a side where they're, they're dealing with crosses and, and physical centre-forwards and physical play and, and obviously being asked to sort of command a, an experienced back four. So it, it kind of does work, but I mean, it'd be interesting to see him in the context of the Chelsea first team. So I think he's definitely got the talent, um, but it's a question of, of you know, we've got a, an £80 million goalie, we've got a backup who's experienced, you know, is there time for him to, to come in and show what he can do? Hopefully there will be, but, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to guess at this point. Cool. Um, good question here in, in that we've seen two of the teams um, and we know all about Ajax pretty much. Are you confident we'll make it to the knockouts in the Champions League and why? Now, I'm interested in this, in, in everyone's views, but as a little caveat, I'm so buzzing for the games against Ajax just because I think they're going to be such good games of football. But back to the question, yeah, how confident are we having seen Leo? Having seen Valencia of, of making it, and do we finish group winners or second? I'm not. Go on, Jermaine. Go on, Dan. All right. I, um, I think we'll finish probably second, only because I feel like the games, you're right, yes, the games against Ajax are probably going to be of a very high quality. I think the football's going to be good. But where Ajax are so good on the ball in terms of. If we make a mistake, I feel like they are definitely going to punish us more so like than than some of these other teams. I think like there was a couple of times against Lille where we get where we got caught in midfield, like Dan said, and we were just so open. And I feel like if Ajax get any any space like that, then I think it will be curtains. So we'll have to be very good to beat them in both games, home and away. Um, but I think we can we can definitely beat Valencia away and Lille at home. And then probably, you know, if results go our way as well elsewhere, I think we'll we'll finish second. So yeah, I do think we'll get to the knockout stages, but it's it's going to be far from easy. My take my take on it is that I feel like we might be our own worst enemy. I feel like because it's the Champions League and Lampard will see it like chess, he might start fiddling with the formation or playing a more defensive team. When actually, if we go out with an attacking team, we could actually win the shit. So my kind of reservations about us going through is. The naivety of Lampard. Um, it reminds me of Brendan Rodgers when Brendan Rodgers 
was um, taking over Liverpool. Taking Liverpool to their first one. I think he was naive there. I hope not. But um, again, I, I need to see Hudson playing um, a yeah, lot of yeah. the games because we need him. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'll have to see. I, at this point, I feel like we might be going out. I'm not going to lie. Mm, it's got to do with personnel as well, I think. Like In terms of who's who's back for certain games as well. Yeah. Like We don't know if Loftus-Cheek's going to play any part in maybe um, the last, say, for example, two or three Champions League games that we've got. I don't, know, I don't know how likely that is. Um, then we've got, it depends if Reese James is in the team by then. Emerson as well, if he stays fit. It becomes a different story when them guys are fit. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, so, but then it might be too late by then. Yeah, um, yeah, he. That's, yeah, what I'm so that, yeah. that's my that's reservation. Yeah, that's my reservation for it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm always optimistic, maybe not only so in some cases, but. Um, I think, yeah, I think second is definitely achievable. Um, the Valencia result was bad, but I think hopefully that is, that's a learning experience for the squad. So I felt if you look at the the way that we approached the, the game there and maybe how we kind of actually saw the game out against Lille, there seemed to be at least a bit of a jump in, in kind of, I don't want to say professionalism, it's probably the wrong word, but maturity in, in how kind of we, we saw that out. Um, I think the Ajax games will be interesting. So I actually think, they're, I don't want to say they're like really winnable in terms of like we're, we're better than them, but I think the fact that Ajax will, will come and play and, you know, looking at looking at sort of how we, how we play when we're kind of at our best, I think we mesh quite well with them. So, you know, if we can get, you know, two to four points from those games, I, I, I kind of agree with Jermaine. I think Valencia is, is a winnable game. Um, then I think second is, is there. I think, you know, it's, it's a solid achievement in, in the context of, of the season. And then, you know, you look at sort of how things pan out and once sort of players start coming back, the, the second round or the round of 16 games, you know, obviously it all depends who we get, but we've got every chance really of, of making a quarterfinal if we can, you know, sort of make the, the next couple of games count. I think, I think if we can get a win on our next fixture, I think we're okay. I think, I think both of the games we've played so far, they're both winnable. I think we're, Valencia aren't that good. And I don't, I think no, they're not. Yeah, and I think we made a, a big deal out of Lille when they wasn't really that good. But this is my the fact that we played two games that we should have actually just blitzed them and we struggled. That worries me going for the rest of the, these games. Uh, I mean, I think the the Champions League. I think you kind of someone alluded to a bit earlier. I think that there there's a different mentality and a different kind of experience that you need to to win these games and see these games out. And I think you know the majority of the players we have do not have that that kind of experience at the moment. So, I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm looking at Valencia and yeah, yeah I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I definitely think that we should have, we should have won that game. Um, if, if they've taken that as, as some sort of foundation to build upon, so like build some confidence, build some, some maturity, get some experience of, of how, how Champions League football is different because it is massively different to, to the Premier League. And then they could take that going forward. Then yeah. I'll, I'll happily take the loss. So I think if, if we see, see the same improvement, then I think we'll be fine. <laughs> But it, it is. But then we look last season when Ajax just got through to the semi-finals wherever they went, playing the way they were playing. So that's my kind of whole thing. Yeah, it's different. It's more chess. And obviously Lampard, as a player, has played in the Champions League and he's seen how it can be different and how one move can um, can just unravel the whole thing. However, the beauty of youngsters is they're not coming with all of that baggage. And so you can use that to your advantage. And I feel like we're playing ourselves sometimes with going to the 3-4-3 and... And just and just fucking it up by by not just actually playing our game. I mean, I mean, we did win. Uh, yeah, we did. 
we, we, we did win. But what I'm saying is, like James alluded to, I don't think we played well. Um, and so, again, in Valencia, we, we lost that game. And so, like, I don't know. I thought both of them were better than them. Both 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 teams were, were far better. And we shouldn't have struggled against Lille and we should have beat Valencia. And both of the games, it was touch and go. Whether it's the approach or the... Or the just the difference in style. We have looked, I think, quite reserved in the Champions League exactly. in terms of our play, and it's, it's just an interesting dynamic. And I'm wondering how how that will that will change throughout the groups. But yeah, no, man, it's, it's, we'll see what happens. I think all these views are valid, but I think the Ajax games will be huge if we can get four points out of those two. Then I think we're, oh, then I think we're, then we're, we're flying uh, and even in contention yeah. for in the group. Next one up is. Uh, in different ways about ideal formations and etc there is one on the 343 but i think we've sort of covered that um but there's a lot on um on formations and everybody fit this this, that and the other so i'm going to combine them a little bit so what i'm going to combine them into is your ideal 11 everybody fit now and then you're allowed to replace one player with a transfer after the ban, one transfer that is not Jaden Sancho, because everyone on Twitter just seems to assume we're going to get Jaden Sancho when, yeah, I don't know about that. So everybody fit eleven formation, and including that, including that eleven, your one side, and then once the ban is done, I'm now thinking about what holes might have been filled through the academy. Uh, should I go? I'll go first. So I'll go. Um... Four three three. I'll go Kepa, Emerson, Tomori, Christensen, Reese James. In the middle, I'll go Kante, Jorginho, and Loftus Cheek. Out left, I'd go with Hudson Odoi. <laughs> Up top, I'll go with Tammy, and on the right, it's a bit of a wild card, but I'll probably go with Zayek. Cool. I'll go yeah, next. Yeah, that's that's my team there. I'll go next. That team ain't winning shit. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm messing. I'm messing. I'm messing. I'll go with. Um, do you know what? Yeah, I might even use my transfer on the goalkeeper. So I'm not really feeling Kepper, but I'll I'll say Kepper for now. Kepper in goal. Emerson, Tomori. Uh, I guess I'll go. I don't really care. Maybe Christensen. I don't really care, to be fair. Zuma or Christensen. Um, and then right back, Reese James, uh, Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, Loftus, Hudson. Oh, wait. I've got a signing too, innit? Okay, my bad. It's, it's tough, you know. This is what I'm saying. We've got a good squad. goalkeeper. Yeah, but I don't know, I don't, I don't know goalkeepers like that. Because um, everyone's gonna say O Black, but it's that's a hundred million on the goalkeeper, and after he spent eighty million on Kepa, I don't want to do that. But do you know what I'll do? I'll do. I'll say. I'll say. Hudson Zaha Loftus. As a front three, even though I don't like that front three as it sounds, or I'll say Hudson. Fucking hell, there's too many players. Basically. That's I th- cheeky. Our team ain't winning nothing, and he wants to put nothing. <laughs> this guy is cheeky. Bro. I I think I think we should buy Zaha and Sancho. Basically, that's that's my answer to the question. I think we should buy Zaha and Sancho. 
Yeah, we all want Sancho though. Yeah. So obviously Sancho, like you had the caveat, don't mention uh, Sancho, but Zaha and Sancho, because then we can have three good wingers. Oof. Um, I'm going to go... Kepa. Joe's going to replace with his transfer. I wonder yeah. who Joe is going to replace. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a month of my salary if you can guess, no. Um, I'll go Kepa, uh, Emerson, probably Tomori, Christensen, uh, Reese James... The big shock, uh, I, I, I'll go for Sander Berg, the big, massive, holding midfielder. That will give me a lot more, le- or I should say, a lot less heart palpitations going forward. Um, Kante and Ruben in a 4-3-3. And then uh, Hudson, Tammy, and probably, probably, uh, see, if I, I need a right winger. Um, what about Mount? No, not no Mount. It's got Mount, Mount, no, Mount, yeah. Mount. Right, yeah. So Mount, Tammy, and uh, Callum up front. James, oh, do you know yes. what? I completely missed out a detail on this question as well. What did he say? It was like she's cheeky. There's like four questions in it, but <laughs> one of them is just it's Chelsea, so we can never have a five-year plan. But someone said, "How do you? How do you? Where do you see Chelsea in the five years?" All things considered, right? Like. New manager, learning manager, developing manager. Give us two or three years. Your kind of view on on where this project is going to go. Is it going to get back? Is it going to lead to cup wins? Will it be the foundation for continued success? What do you think we're at the beginning of here? I'd hope that Lampard is still here, whether it's three or five years. If he's here, <laughs> if he's still here, that means he's been successful. Um, I actually last season before Sari became on the books, I wanted Rogers. Because obviously he came from our academy and plus he's a, he's a good coach. But one of the reasons why I had reservations is because I don't believe Rodgers would have gone to the extreme that Lampard is in terms of playing Tomori, playing yeah. Mount, playing. So I like um, Lampard's mindset in terms of he's not scared to play young players. And I feel like apart from this group, we've still got younger players to come through. So True. I trust Lampard in that, in that reserve. But is he a good enough coach um, to keep us at the top? I don't know, but if he's here in five years, then that means he is, and that means that we've been winning. So, I've, I just in three to five years, I hope Lampard's still here, and I hope that we've busted a lot of young players. Yeah, the same. I'd I'd want to see in the next three, like three to five years, I'd want to see the same thing in terms of with the youth. I'd want to see Lampard improve as a coach as well. Yeah, um, definitely. But I think more importantly as well is people shouldn't forget that Chelsea do still buy players and we need to make sure that we get our recruitment system like right for the next two, three years in terms of if we are going to buy players, they're players that come in and, you know, do help us go to the next level rather than just be like another player that's just, you know, like a Pulisic or whatever at the moment. I'm not saying uh, you can't turn into a great player, but um, yeah, I don't want to really see us waste money like like we have done in the last two, three years. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say we don't know what it will turn into, but... £60 million pound or something that's not an immediate upgrade is, again, just, like, it's just <laughs> burning money. It's just burning. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it, the one thing I will give Lampard, like, the pod will know, I've got my reservations about him, but I accept that he's developing, is he's not going to play people for based on their Price purchase. Time. And it feels like they're not going to... Now that they've had the season of seeing what the academy can bring, I'm just hopeful that that forces the recruitment's arm. But yeah, Joe, what are your thoughts? 
Similar to, to what the guys have said, I, I think what I'd like to see is, is us not have to go and buy squad-level talent, squad players, rotation players, and fill gaps in the squad with, with the guys we've got. I mean, if the worst-case scenario from this season is that we get six new players who can play you know, 20, 30 games a season for us, that means we don't have to go and spend... 30, 40, 50 million mountain players on, on you know, on, on a drink water, on other players of that sort of calibre that we bought in the past, and be a lot more, a lot more focused on our on our recruitment. I'd rather us start dropping big money on players that we know are going to improve the team, and, and by that I mean almost almost guarantee by their talent level that they're going to be a first eleven player. Um, you know, Sancho's and, and this world like start competing for really, really top end talent, and then actually making use of, of the academy to. To, to sort of fill out the squad. And, you know, we've seen this season that, you know, we felt coming into it, guys like uh, Tamori is a really, really a good example. Someone who may be, a lot of us maybe quietly felt that he was really talented and, and, and you know, potentially deserved a chance. But now he's stepped up. I mean, we don't need to buy a centre-back for, you know, the next 10 years or so, because potentially if he carries on his development and carries on playing the way he is, you know, he is he is now a player that, that you can kind of hang your hat on as, as being a sort of Chelsea regular. So, no, it's about continuing on this sort of pathway that the club are going on because, I mean, we've got one of the best academies in European football. You know, that is that is our competitive advantage when it comes to other clubs. We don't have to go out and buy squad players now. It feels like, you know, for near enough every single season we'll be able to bring someone in who can, at the very, very least, be a backup to, to someone who's starting regularly. So carry on that, sharpen up the recruitment, and then hopefully, you know, if, if Lampard is still here and, and Morris and Edwards and that, you know, start seeing this this style of football that we were kind of seeing the beginnings of now really kind of sort of fully formed into into something that the, the team is is confident in playing and we can see every week because we've seen flashes of it and I really I really like some of the stuff we're playing um, but you know seeing that with maybe a few more top end players in the team um, supported by younger players I think that that for me is the direction and it seems like one that's that's not unachievable and also something that hopefully we should uh, should lead to us continuing to be a successful club that wins trophies. Also, I don't want to. I don't want to lose followers and listeners. But in three to five years, hopefully, no more Americans, no more Matt Miazgas, <laughs> no more Christian Pulisic, <laughs> no more Freddie Yeah, that's that that's, that's, only, that's a big market. That's a big so, market. My bad. My bad. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's a good. I think that's a good place to end. I think where I'm really interested is that though it's, it's easier to just say transfer ban, flood the kids, or Fuck the kids. Fuck them kids. We're going to sign all of this lot. I think that the balance is going to be really interesting to watch. How do they yeah. decide halfway gets blocked? Who needs to be given six months? Um, and I think that's going to be really fascinating to see because they've gone with this big commitment on the youth drive. I can't see them just undoing that in a year, if I'm honest. So, yeah. so that balance that is going to be, is going to be fascinating. The, yeah. the, the, quickly, the game has changed now because I think we've broken that kind of that glass ceiling in terms of Ah, oh, rah. He's too young. Like toy, he's from the championship. He's too young. The fact that Tammy's yeah, coming, I, like, yeah, you can't, you can't roll that back now. So even if a new manager was yeah, to come in, I'm, yeah, no one can say, oh, he's championship level anymore. He's ch- the game changed. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how that turns out. But um, yeah, listen, that's time for the week. Uh, back same time next week, same day of the week. Chelsea hour. Um, On to Southampton. And then we will we will reconvene next Friday. Joe, Jermaine, Dan, thanks for your time, bro. See you lot soon. No worries, man. No worries, no worries. Yeah, take it easy.
on Twitter and ranting. Doing the most. True say that money is power, so when you get money, keep quiet and ghost. Ghost. I remember when I shot my shot, but I didn't have guts, so I hit the post. But next time it's a golden goal. This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom. And Casper's Black Friday sale has up to 30% off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with 86 supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to 30% during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com terms for more details. Sports Social Podcast Network.